Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 614. We normally record this live, which you can watch either on Facebook or YouTube on the WP Tonic channel. Um, or the WP Tonic Facebook page. Like I say, we normally record this around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. Um, I've got a really interesting panel. Um, I I think I've rustled up, it is the summer, but I think I've rustled up some interesting stories about WordPress and tech in general. Um, we have a special guest. We have the Beast, which is Chris Lemmer, uh, um, the big beast of WordPress. And... Uh, I'm sure he's quite capable of some interesting remarks. Um, I think it's going to be a great discussion. So I'm going to let Chris introduce himself. He really doesn't, but I'm letting him. Chris, can you quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Uh, sure. I am a uh, blogger over at chrisama.com. I am the VP of product over at Liquid Web and Nexus, a hosting company. Uh, I am a uh, public speaker and a coach, and uh, I am today the owner of a Twitter banner that is live. It is active. So if you go follow me on Twitter, your profile photo will show up in my banner as it's showing the most recent people that sign up. That is a super cool new little trick that I just discovered late last night, and I am super happy about it. It's always nice to see an old dog that can learn new tricks, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so there we go. It's always pleasing. Um, oh, and um, I've got Andrew Palmer with us. Andrew, would, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Well, I don't know. I think Heather's Heather's introduction there with the with the hair flick was you know quite incredible. Um, you know, that it, does, was does it was dramatic, wasn't it? Was again, my heart heart beated. Um, beats uh, a little bit faster. I'm Andrew Palmer, Grid Pain. I'm a blogger as well, uh, digital investor, plugin developer, um, and uh, basically digital advisor to people that build plugins, and I help them sell them as well. The whole thing. Is, just is there anybody in the WordPress community that you don't know, Andrew? Yeah, there's loads of people. It's full. It's full of people. I met Chris at uh, Berlin, and uh, I didn't know him there. I just went up there and, and was brave and introduced myself. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I know who you are. I'm watching you." And I just yeah. kind of went away. I went, oh, he said that. He said that to me, but he also said, "Fuck off, Jonathan." Uh, um, <laughs> Never. Uh, um, so, um, Spencer, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the? Uh... Oh, he's disappeared. Would you, you're coming back, are you? Uh, he, would you he came uh, in Heather Wren's life. Would, would, you, would you like to introduce Spencer yourself? Spencer Foreman from WP Launchfire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather. Y'all are making head. fun of me this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was the half I'm, I'm having technical difficulties in my yeah. hotel room here. Um, I am Heather Renzi. I am the, the uh, uh, digital solutions lead at The Difference Consulting. Right, that's great. Um, before we go into the main stories, I've got to mention my great sponsor, major sponsor, Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need really a 
audio hosting provider for your podcast, plus they provide the RS feed and a host of other services, which is great to get in one central place. I was with a previous provider for almost five years. Castos came on my radar, decided to move. Then I found out that Matt Medeiros had become the head of marketing and customer experience. I thought this was great. I had chats with them. They decided to become the major sponsor of the show. I'm delighted in the partnership. And it's just been great. And I've had a great experience using their platform. Really great UX design, great support, um, easy to use, and about a third of the price of the previous provider. You can't ask for much more, really, can you? Um, I suggest that you go over there, have a look what they've got to offer for yourself or for clients. I would buy one of their packages. If you do, can you please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show? So straight into the stories. Automatic requires pocket cast. And also they, they've invested money in my beloved Castos. What is this about, Chris? Is Automatic going to become the podcasting platform of choice? You know, they seem keyed on podcasting, don't they? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there's no question that uh, content has moved across multiple channels and it's no longer just writing a blog post, right? So um, it, it's not shocking to have uh, automatic uh, investing in products that they think are long-term worthwhile and helpful in the space. And, and as I understand it, podcasts uh, came up out into the market uh, the beginning of the year, and so they were kind of shopping around, and, and Automatic has made several acquisitions uh, over the last couple of years that are like, hey, let's take a beloved product that might fall off the off the planet, and let's just prop it up and make sure that it has a shot at continuing on. So I, I think it's goodwill. I think it's a good call, and I think um, we're going to see more and more investments into uh, all the kind of services that creators love, right? Creators, creators, creators. It's It's where growth is happening. And so whether you're doing a podcast or video or writing content, I think they're going to be behind it. Yeah. Um, well, well, I'm really concerned because I use it to listen to my own podcast. You can't use Apple Player. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? So I use that. Um, Spencer, what do you reckon? Cynical. Uh, I remember there was a third plug-in CRM that had a very funny name uh, other than right now we've got Fluency RAM, we've got um, uh, Groundhog.io. There was a third one that got acquired, murdered. They bar- buried the body, never to be seen again. I think podcasts are obviously an amazing channel and will probably continue to grow, but there's really only two ways this can happen. Either they're going to invest money and really promote it as a thing, or it's going to get the same kind of lack of love and attention that other things have gotten and we'll never hear from it again. That's oh. my cynical view. Oh, well, there we go. You're not noted for that, are you? I can't be but, the happy-go-lucky guy in every story, you know. I have to have some cynicism here. Well, that's, maybe that's your row. I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. When we, um, let's, let's go to brightness and love. Let's go to Heather. So what did you reckon about this, Heather? Uh, I think that it just shows that there's a lot of podcasts out there. And um, I mean, Pocket Cast makes it easy, just like Anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, Castos makes it easy for anyone to get into podcasting. And um, 
So, I mean, this is just showing the, that WordPress is trying to make it easy. Like automatic is trying to make it easy for everyone to get into podcasts. And, and I mean, there's all these plugins that, that they're uh, keeping their eye on to help people uh, turn their blogs into podcasts as well. So I think that's where they're going with this. So like one click, mm-hmm. write a blog, turn it into a podcast. And I mean, they, they just really want to be the content owners. Yeah, I can see that. What do you reckon, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, Heather's right. I mean, you know, and, and also they've got, there's a lot of acquiring going on in WordPress at the moment. And Chris will, will, will lay testament to that because Liquid Web have bought a couple of people in the last few weeks or a few months or whatever. Um and I think it's a bit like consolidation. But, you know, if you read the WP Tavern blog, which I have, have actually read, it's also about opportunity because Pocket Cast was running out of money. It was spending too much. You know, it just wasn't a viable financial product. And it doesn't matter whether it's free, but it was nine bucks a year for the pro version. I mean, it's not, you're kind of hoping that 100,000 people or 200,000 people are going to pay you nine bucks a year and if they're not then you are going to start losing a million dollars a year to to have your service so i think it's uh i actually i'm not cynical about this i'm quite optimistic about this because wordpress have have brought on lots of lots of developers and lots of people to expand you know they bought tumblr they bought other things and nothing terrible has happened to them and their intention with this, I think, is just to grab hold of, and their investment in Castos as well, is to make sure that they are at the forefront of, of everything that's happening for the, they're making themselves future-proof, basically. You know, what else can we add? We're all looking as service providers to add things to our offering that give value. So, you know, and that's why, I think that's why they bought it, really. They've seen an opportunity. They probably bought it for not a lot of cash, to be frank. And um, they can, with the, with the tech support that they've got or the tech people that they've got behind them, they can maybe help grow it and make it into uh, Jetpack Podcasts, probably. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> you had to mention Jetpack, didn't you? Oh, God. Well, I mean, you can't ignore, you can't ignore Jetpack for one reason. That I can. I can very easily. You, you can't ignore it if you're having the conversation about the direction of the future WordPress. And I've been an outspoken advocate here. I'll probably continue to grow in that capacity of saying there's two camps. There's automatic's decision to do what they want to do. And then there's everybody who makes it and makes their living from it, including the hosting companies. And till, up until now, all the decisions have been granted to us from the top down. But I think we're at a fork in the road where those of us who make things and those of us who sell the things have the decision ability to put together our own groups of political powerhouses and consortiums and so forth. And I think that's what we've been discussing here is that whoever owns the pieces, it's fine, but shouldn't they decide not to be stepping on each other? You know, why do we need 27 different plugins that are in the same space? Or why is it that all this talent is wasted on infighting? We can all get together and figure it out for ourselves without waiting for Automatic to tell us what it is. And I think that's where these conversations come up. This particular product might be a great product, but if Automatic doesn't do anything other than dump it into jet uh, jetpack or let it sit there and fester then they'd be better off maybe just having it out on the other side of the table where somebody would actively use use it for something there we go on to on to story two um mr bezos iakk.evil as i call him um blasts off in his 
uh, penis-looking spaceship. Uh, Jason on This Week in Startups had a about crit- criticism that he's received, and I've been one of them, the more minor but active voices in taking the piss out of Mr. Bezos. What what do you reckon about this one, Heather? Well, as well you were right. He came back. You were a bit. You were a bit. When we last, you know, you're 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 the space lady. You trained as astronaut. Um, you thought the chances of him not coming back were reasonably high. But he did, didn't he? No, no. What I what I said was that the Blue Origin one was less probable to come back than the uh, Virgin Galactic, and uh, that was still true. And remember, there was one guy that decided at the last minute to to not go. And, <laughs> he, he was. Uh, he, he had a prior right. Uh, uh, yeah, something, something yeah. Quiet, like you do when you're just about to blast off, isn't it? No, he'd heard he'd heard Heather the previous week on WP20. <laughs> Panics. It, it wasn't just me. Uh, no, um, and then I don't know if you saw the video of of Jeff Bezos and and the others in in there. I mean, like, okay, so if you compare, it was cringe. It truly was cringeworthy. It was cringe. It, it, was it really totally was. Cringe. And if you if you look at the one of like Richard Branson and what like how they were in the capsule, like in the and versus Jeff Bezos, you've got like this teenager up there who's um, he, he truly is. He comes straight I don't know if this was ever planned, but he's straight out of a James Bond film as exactly. as, as the crazy villain. Uh, you know, it, it's like that horrendous laugh of his, and um, it just, oh my gosh, I just find yeah. it cringeworthy. Well, Chris, what do you reckon? All these billionaires, they're all blasting off, trying to leave poor old Earth. Uh, um, he pays, you know, I have to listen to his crummy uh, adverts on Spotify uh, saying how generous he is paying his staff $14 an hour. You know, uh, um, I just love him as a human being. But what, what got any insights why all this crowd, these one percenters, are uh, all wanting to blast off and leave Earth? So um, I, I will tell you, I, I have I have two takes, or they, or my take comes from two different directions. The first, of course, is that um, my dad is now in what he calls the sudden death period of life. Right. So as soccer players, sudden death is what happens when. You know, everyone's tied and you're in the last minutes and you just don't know. Like at any minute you could go. Like watching England, really, isn't it? <laughs> so my, my dad is in what he calls the sudden death period of time. And he's trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to you know, make the most out of uh, the money that he's going to give to me and my brother or whatever. And, and my response is, it's your money. You worked for it. It's yours. If you want to get on, they love him and my mom love cruising. Like, if you want to get on a cruise and do the whole 365 days on a boat and go die out in the ocean, go like spend your money, leave nothing behind. I don't need it. It's not mine. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. Right. So I will tell you whether it's Bezos or Galactic or anyone else, it's their money. They made it. They can do whatever they want with it. When people start pontificating on Twitter about how they could uh, handle climate science or they could solve homelessness or whatever, I'm like, bro. It's their money. They made it. They can do what they want. I make my money, and I don't want anyone telling me what I should do with mine. So that's the first part of it. The second is my first start, right? My first job out of when I graduated uh, from Cal was right up the hill at Berkeley Lab. 
Yeah, I read you. I, I read your newsletter back in splinters in your eye. That didn't sound oh yeah, very, no, that was that, that was sound, in, that didn't sound very nice. Did it? That was in high school, but my first yeah. my first job, you know, out of college was at Berkeley Lab. And um, there's, a, there's a few people in the WordPress community that would like to poke my eye, Chris. <laughs> um, and, and and when you work at a government research lab, right, like Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, um, you discover that there's a whole bunch of things from X-ray machines to the way they make eyeglasses that all came from research. And they came from research when you didn't know what you were actually Going, what you know, what the downstream consequences were of what you innovated, right? So when someone goes to space in a penis-looking rocket, I go, whatever, I don't care. What I do care about is all the different innovations that happen from making that happen that then turn around and affect our microwave or our jacuzzi or our whatever, right? And that is the nature of science: is that you don't get to predict in advance where it's going to play out. And so I'm always a fan of, yeah, hey, go chase it down. Chase out, especially if you're going to use your own money. Use your money, do whatever. And then in the long run, science benefits everybody. So when are you, exactly. going, in, when are you going into space, Chris? Uh, I don't have that kind of cash. Are I mean, sure? I, I make... Are you sure, Chris? I make, I make good money. I don't make that good money, right? Oh, like, right. there's... there's there's, you don't have to worry about well, the it's price. Going down. The price is going down. I'm sure you'll be yeah, able to afford it very soon. There's, you don't have to worry about the price when you're shopping, right? I, I'm, I'm comfortable there. Like if I go to a grocery store or if I go to dinner, I don't have to look at the menu. There's that kind of good. Then there's, you know, like I can start running around buying companies good. Then there's, I can buy a basketball team. That good. And then there's, I can buy a, a, a ticket on a rocket to space. So I'm several tiers away from getting to space. Yeah, I, I, but I want to. I I, can I just quickly? I just want to quickly okay. say, and then I'll throw it over to you, Heather. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Chris. I don't. It's not the money. Why um, I take endless pleasure in taking the piss out of him. It's um, it's the crummy way that he treats his employees that I resent. Um, I just resent treating people like robots and thinking it's okay. That's my main, that's my main beef with, with this, <clears throat> with the James Bond villain that is Bezos. You know, I'm sure in the next James Bond film, you do a cameo, Ro, I'm sure. Sorry, Heather, over to you, Heather. Well, I do want to point out that, like, and I mentioned this before, that when whenever you, whether it's Virgin Galactic, whether it's Blue Origin, uh, whether it's uh, SpaceX, like, or even NASA, like the JAXA, ESA, uh, the it is a very, very dangerous thing to go into space right now. It's not going to get safe until you get the level of, like, airplane uh, frequency. And um, if if you look at just Aston Kutcher uh, removing himself from the next uh, Virgin Galactic flight, uh, because, I mean, when he was single, that was fine. Like, look at the people that are going up um, on the flights. It's it's like, yeah, it's basically rich bachelors or people that have already done everything and feel like it's okay if they're not, if they blow up, it's okay. Chris could afford afford a ticket on that. You know, it's coming down drastically, Chris. I can see you being on that. All right. If you still have something to live for, 
then this is not for you. All right. Yeah. Well, it's ideal for me then. All right, there we go. Uh, so, um, if, what I said in the last week's show, if I keep if I keep opening my mouth like I did last week, my life's going to be shortened quite quickly. Um, Spencer, um, Spencer, what did you think of the um, Doctor Evil and his phallic-looking rocket? First of all, I insist that everybody at some point check out that Twitter link to the John Stewart video spoof. John Stewart's got a new show coming up. It had like Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, but like funniest spoof I've ever seen focused on the phallic nature of all these billionaires rockets and stuff, but just on the floor spitting up water laughing. As far as the rest, um, I, I do, I tend to agree with Chris's point that anybody can spend their money on anything. I think the difference between how it was handled by the various billionaires thus far is that either Jeff Bezos is completely tone deaf or he is pure evil because when he got out and said thank you to all the employees of Amazon and the buyers of Amazon products for paying for all of this, it was like King Midas saying, Thank you, all my slaves and dead people for making me the richest man in the world. It was just so, oh, my God, painful. That was the part. He's a, bit, he's a ability to rub people up the wrong, but you, you know wrong way. It's endless. It's I mean, truly the, endless. The, the difference between him and Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or one of these other ones that are you know, George Soros, they are not tone deaf. <laughs> They apparently have handlers or experience to understand what to say, what to show, how to act. Between him standing in front of the Taj Mahal with his girlfriend that used to date or was married to Gavin Newsom and yada, 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 all of his moves are just provocative or stupid on a publicity level. Well, and that's stupid. the only part that they're, I can say. Yeah, I don't that. think he's stupid. I just don't think well, he I'm cares. Just, I just don't you're, think you're he cares a fuck. You're the richest man in the world. You are, as I said, either you don't have a clue, you're tone deaf, or you're provocative. And you're just like sticking your thumb in society and people's places. And we all know how it ended for Marie Antoinette. So yeah, you are saying. not. It's neither of those. It's neither of those. He's just unapologetic. It's that simple. But he's like going out of his way. Yeah, to but why? No, like but that. why should he? Why should he not be unapologetic? There, there's no. It's not I mean, I don't. In any I, don't subscribe, I don't subscribe to his style. Right? I don't subscribe to it. But why should he be unapologetic? Why? Should I'm not he saying apologizing for the thing. I'm saying the why right make the statement that says times. thank you? Yeah, but why, why should he say the right you? things at all times? I mean, he's. He's um, an immense behemoth in this world. Without him, we wouldn't have Netflix. We wouldn't have the BBC. We wouldn't have TV channels broadcast all around the world. We wouldn't have innovation. He wouldn't. I, think you're, I wouldn't. think you're pushing it a little bit. No, there, we simply wouldn't. Because he does not have to no apologize for his wealth or what he's created. I'm simply saying Bill Gates created a ton of stuff. And never in the 1990s did Bill Gates get on TV and go, Thank you, all you people that pay me $200 a year for my Windows 95 license. Nobody would ever take that from him. And why did Jeff yum, Bezos yum. have to say what he's As Jason would say, yum, yum. Let's go, let's go on to something a bit more WordPress-y, show. And I'm sure Chris... If you didn't agree with what I was... I, I, can tell, I can tell by Chris's face he, he really wants me to get onto story three. Uh, um, Ed Pack is tracking high... Oh, this is a typical tavern... Headline, it so just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? Ed Pat is tracking higher ed 
with WordPress looking for a development partner. Are, are you tempted, Chris? What did you think of this story? I think I think every time that Automatic and or WordPress uh, pushes into vertical markets, uh, it learns a lot more. When it stays generic and and plays in the horizontal play, I think it it ends up struggling a bit. Um, but I think the more it goes verticalized, the more it goes deeper, the more it develops a, kind of a domain expertise that drives features that make sense in that context. Um, you'll remember the the issue years ago, right? When we started trying to create uh, post formats to match Tumblr, and it just it just it it was a mess. So so. My take is anytime you're going to go into a vertical space and you're going to push in and solve the problems that are real problems uh, in that space, that it's worthwhile. So um, I don't know what will become of it. Uh, I'm not tempted to be the development partner for that because that's not a space I spend all my days in. But, I, was, I was being a little bit sarcastic there. I know. But I, but I think someone will get involved. And I think, uh, I don't know what that will mean. I don't know if we'll get a new version of multi-site because of that. Or we'll get higher performance on on the way in which the data queries work because of that, right? But you're you're going to get something. Uh, higher ed is known for having massive sites that have, you know, a lot of duplication and yet the content changes, right? And so you have that department and that department and that department. So what does that do for for WordPress and how will it change it? I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, I think the concepts are really interesting. I was a little bit what they got what they were showing. They are coming on the dub the team behind this are coming on the WP Tonic uh interview show for interview. They've agreed to come on. So that should be interesting. So what did you oh by the way, uh, has done the panel got any cats? Because if we get cats on the show, my figures increase tremendously. Oh it's in it's in house joke, Chris. We um when we have cats on the show um, my my figures, my listening figures treble, Chris. Uh, you shouldn't be shocked by that, Chris, should you? Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. uh, um, so what did you think of this, Spencer? I I like what they're building here. I think that this is an interesting way to solve problems by putting it together. There's a couple potential roadblocks or dangers that I would foresee whenever you get into this kind of really um, minute detail of building into a product, you run the risk of isolating them from the rest of the WordPress ecosystem, which is a topic I talk about all the time. But it does potentially solve a lot of problems in one box. I would recommend if anybody from that team had gave me a call or like Blake, I would say, Blake, do yourself a big favor. Find another metaphor to use than saying we're building the jetpack. For higher yeah. education. <laughs> I, I would that. say I didn't think maybe, that was very good. Maybe we're building the you know blankety blank or the you know the, the edu blogs or something, but not jetpack. That would not fill my mind with pleasant thoughts about your product for reasons that are unrelated to what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's so. And I'm really feeling sorry for Andrew. You know, he's dying of heat stroke. He switched off his air conditioning. I heard it was like 75 degrees Fahrenheit. He's dying in front of me, actually. But, Andrew, what did you think of this? Well, I think it's great because um, let me just turn my air con off because it is actually 32 degrees C in my man cave here, and it's killing me. Um, But anyway... um, What Chris Chris said about about, um, multi-sites is actually... 
when I first saw this, I just thought, well, this is a multi-site. You know, this yeah. is this is this is what it is. Um, and I think there's um, managed WordPress people that are doing multi-site kind of installations and and whatever the name kind of escapes me. But yeah, I know the um, one. Um, they um, they do yeah, a lot. Of pl- they do a lot of plugins. WPM. For, yeah, they're big into. Yeah, that yeah. I think is Nexus doing that kind of thing as well, Chris? Is that kind of a kind of a thing that that Nexus are doing? We're definitely digging into some vertical spaces, um, not higher ed, uh, but we just we just launched um, no WooCommerce. I mean, yeah, we we do it. For, we do a, a dedicated package for WooCommerce. We just launched WP Quick Start for membership sites. Yeah, that is a whole bundle of stuff so that you can get up and running on membership sites. So there are certain spaces we're stepping into. We're just not stepping into higher ed. Right. But, yeah, but this, but this is about higher ed and also the the costs of having an educational system, right? So if they can save costs on uh, tech, specifically a, an intranet or a website or whatever they they need to do, then I think this is a great idea. And I think if you can get behind it in in whatever way, I think it's a great idea. And I, I'd like to see it global rather than uh, I'm not sure whether it's global. I didn't really get that kind of situation together because i know that some universities in this country my country uk you know spend in excess of 300 400 pounds a year on on just maintaining their website so they could do with some some something like this maybe you know i I love it i think it's a great idea i love it what did you reckon about this one ever any thoughts you're muted ever yeah yeah um i mean i think that yeah, I mean, Andrew's right. It's just it it makes things easy uh, for my for my nonprofit. We actually have uh, an EDU arm, and we're using a multi site like this, and it makes it easier to to load courses and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, these things are good. All right, I think we go go for our break. We'll come back. I've got some got some other juicy stories. So I think I'm just about keeping Chris awake. Uh, um, so uh, we'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, 
and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. We're coming back. Chris has been a champion. By this stage, Chris, we've had some special guests that have just looked shell-shocked. Uh, um, uh, like they've wanted, like, I want to get off this. Uh, Rob, you seem to be handling it quite well. Uh, Rob, right, yeah, I think you've heard it all and done it all, really. (laughs) Uh, Rob, so, um, on the story, oh, yes, this is delicious. This is a delicious story. Uh, Rob, another target for my sarcasm over the months Adam Newman's WeWorks. It's a story from The Verge, and it's one of their classic kind of stories, isn't it? Adam Newman, we work debacle, wasn't possible without VC help. Um, so, Chris, what did you think of this one? I thought it was de- there's some delicious little bit tidbits, you know, especially about his wife. I just don't have the space to breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What yeah. did you reckon of this one, Chris? So. Uh- there is, there is, I mean, I, so the first, the first three companies that I started and sold were venture backed. Um, we went and raised venture capital and all that good stuff. And the next two or three were all bootstrapped, right? So I've lived in both worlds. What I can tell you is from back then, so from 1997 to today, uh, there's a group of people that will always be anti VC. Um, they hate VCs, VCs ruin the world, VCs do this and that. And so this article fell in line with a lot of the critique I I hear of, you know, the problem is the VCs. The truth of the matter is, um, whether you're talking about a, a, a financial backer or you're talking about a board, most of their oversight is at a much higher level. They don't know whether you're redesigning your office a fifth time or a sixth time, they don't know what you're doing here. They look at growth, right? I I go to board meetings. When I'm in the board meeting, we're going to ask the question of, okay, quarter over quarter, what's the growth percentage, right? I'm going to look at top line growth. I'm going to look at EBITDA growth. I'm going to look at growth. And if the numbers are moving in the right direction, then, okay, let's let's talk about what are the rest of your plans for growth and what are you looking at and driving forward? Yeah, but don't you... But don't you also make an assessment of the founder or the top team? And it wasn't it pretty obvious that this guy is bonkers? Well, the <laughs> truth is, the truth is that if you stare with a straight face and listen to any CEO of a massively growing company, there's about half the people in the room that are like, "This is amazing." I mean, again, I I grew up at I, all my startups were in Silicon Valley. There's always somebody who's changing the world, and half of the people in the room are like. This is amazing. And the other half are like, this guy's a lunatic, right? It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, think about it. You're like, wait a minute. You have a house. It has a room. You're going to rent the room to a stranger for two nights. They could come in and kill you in your sleep. That sounds like a horrible idea. And someone else in the room is like, Airbnb is brilliant, right? Like, come on. So it's easy to throw shade looking backwards. The, The dynamic is... He was pivoting in a time where we were saying across the country and especially in Silicon Valley, we were saying technology is changing everything. Technology is changing everything. Technology. So he's like, hey, technology could change property management. And, and as they started growing, it was hard not to get excited about that. So 
you know, I read the article and I thought, yeah, I get it. Yeah. We can look backwards and go, we should have seen the signs. But I'll tell you, in every board meeting I'm in, in every in every high level conversation with a with a VC or even private equity, nobody's getting into the details uh, that that clearly they didn't get into. Oh, uh, it's good. It's good news for me. I'm bonkers. So uh, it's good. To, uh, but. Yeah. I'm going to miss him. It's you know he's been a, him and his beloved wife. I just love her. You know, they've just been an endless source of me taking the piss out of them, Chris. Oh, they're yeah. missed, really. What do you reckon, Spencer? By the sounds of it, they were a beloved couple and not totally bonkers, were they? I mean, the whole thing was that the Newmans scammed uh, Masayoshi San at uh, Palantir. That's the whole point. They scammed the hell out of this guy. He's a multi-billionaire or whatever he was. He had control of billions. He got scammed. He gave him all the money. They were gypsies in a caravan, and it was too late before everybody figured it out. That's it. It was just literally an insider pyramid scheme that the guy on a personal level who was the VC you know, of um, Palantir, either on personal pride or legal issues or whatever, just did not wake up or could not reveal how deeply he had gone with these two characters. And what's interesting to me is that they're not in prison. I don't think. Maybe they are, but they maybe have legal trouble. It seems like they got a legal waiver of everything, which is remarkable because the victim here, Palantir, the, the founder, you know, just sort of said, you know, Masayoshi is like, Hey, I, I'm not going after you guys because I was the you know one who said yes to all this yeah. stuff, which is even more remarkable. If they'd screwed the amount of money out of me, they'd be missing a, a part of their bodies. I say know. this because <laughs> we, we live in a you know John Locke is in here, but we live in a country right now, legitimately, where a single grandmother who gets out of prison accidentally registers to vote in Texas, and they put her in jail for six years. And the Newmans scam billions of dollars and they're riding high along with everybody else. So unless you go into Epstein territory and piss off the wrong people, there's apparently two universes on this planet. The, the people like this and everybody else. And that comes to carbon emissions and money and everything else. So when we get back to the story about being tone deaf, yes, if you figured out how to be a billionaire, do it with grace and aplomb. Because there is a historical reference for you to realize that eventually the 7 billion or so other people are going to come for you one way or the other if you don't be mindful of how bad you're making their lives. And that includes legal rules like this. This kind of stuff is crazy. It just yeah. is. But I do, I do see Chris's point, you know, half these people are bonkers. So, that, you know, it's not going to actually draw a red flag because you get used to it that they're do you remember the guy from Color? There was a, a phone app called Color. I don't know what it did, but it came out at the like beginning of the rage of the iPhone apps. They flushed like hundreds of millions of dollars or more down the tube and then folded tent. And it was like at the time remarkable because everybody thought it was going to be like Slack or one of these other iPhone apps that you know goes crazy. And it didn't. It just disappeared. And then we never heard the consequence of it, which yeah. to me is amazing as well. You know, I suppose the realities of startups is that you've got to be a bit bonkers to do a startup anyway. It's a bit like your sec your third marriage. The statistics aren't exactly um or your second, but we already get to your third marriage. The People get married twice. Yeah, well, yeah, they do. We do live in hope. Uh, um, you know, 
statistics aren't all that good, are they, really, ever, are they? Well, I mean, realistically, uh, the VCs that invest this much money are investing in the people that have been successful before. Um, They're investing in the ideas that are disruptive um, and in the people that can convince them that the ideas are good. And um, whatever else he was, he was very, or he is a very charismatic, um, charming and uh, like convincing person. And the idea of, of WeWork is actually fairly sound. Um, so, uh, I mean, while he's a great, like, I mean, he's an unusual uh, person. The idea no, is... That's one, that's one way to put it, yeah, but... Yeah, but I mean, as far as like talking about what happens in these these boardrooms and, and why uh, investors are like VCs are, are scammed uh, by founders. I mean, it happens all the time. Like I, I've, I've been in a lot of boardrooms where uh, like even for extremely successful, profitable companies, like the entire it's, it's a game like you're like you meet with your your board of, of uh, like quarterly and all you need to do is basically give them a projection of what or show them like what you did and then project what you're going to do and then make sure that the thing you're presenting them to them matches what it said, whether it's true or not. So like as long as you you held back, I mean, say say like you've made more money in that one quarter than you actually did. Just make sure that the, the thing that you present to them it matches what you said last time. And then maybe in the next quarter, you didn't make enough. Well, bring back the money that you didn't tell them about in the last quarter. And now suddenly everything's okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So I think that's an excellent point. I think what you're trying to make, it's a, it's a bit like theater, really. It's business theater, really, isn't it? So what do you reckon, Andrew? What do you reckon? I'm just, I'm just going to miss him and his wife, you know, uh, um, just delicious pair of con artists, you know. You know, uh, what do you reckon, Andrew? Well, they. I mean, he bought hundred. He bought hundreds of millions of pounds worth of property, didn't he? So that they used to establish WeWork, and he was a great um, orator. And he and he and he basically, you know, a lot of these people, a lot of these these people that raise money and raise awareness and everything, they're almost like cult leaders. Like Chris said, fifty percent of the people in the room going, "You're God." 50% are going, you're mad, you know, and it's, it is, it, it does get to be, I, you know, I used to work for Klein Walt Benson, but massive invest, um, uh, uh venture capital. And, and they invested in a print company that I, I ran, you know, we bought 200 print companies for, for a, a, basically a dollar and then invested three and a half million quid in them, you know, and closed a lot of them down, did a lot of asset stripping all all I've, I don't feel I've got to say I don't feel sorry for the venture capitalists because it is driven by profit, right? And they see an opportunity, and sometimes those opportunities don't pan out, and sometimes they do. Now yeah. WeWork was an opportunity, and they thought, well, we can do this. And let's be honest, it's still trading; it's still got the hundreds of locations globally. I it's think been, it's I think it is just the scale, the audacity of Adam and yeah, his but wife. there's loads of it just, in this just, world, John. It's just the audacity and the. Guy's a con man. I mean, I don't give him two. I don't give him even a minute's thought. I, I watch golf, and it's all sponsored by WeWork. And I watch the famous golfers wearing their caps with WeWork on them. And if they if they if they knew 
the history of how we were came about, perhaps they wouldn't wear their hats or perhaps they wouldn't have the sponsorship. But I doubt it because, you know, sponsorship, sponsorship. But it, these these people exist in every single daily life. We get phone calls from them every single day sc- trying to scam us, people trying to scam us. All he's done is like a phone scammer that's just done it on a massive scale and by all intents and purposes looks as though he's got away with it. And I don't care about him at all. It doesn't affect my life. I didn't lose any money with it. And it's up to the VCs to do their due diligence and it serves them right. That's my view. Right. I want to do something because I've got to do it at the the beginning of the show. I want to dedicate this podcast to the memory of my father, Captain Douglas Denwood. It's his um, birthday tomorrow. Um, Winner of the Legion of Honour and the winner of the British Military Cross, um, a great man. Um, I miss you, Father. So, on to story five. Back back to another tavern and a great headline that fills you in need to read it. But WordPress, <laughs> who covers patches, critical vulnerability, sending full security update from WordPress.org. I'm sure this made you and some of your people in your hosting company, Chris, rather busy. What what did you think of this um, post? Well, it was a little it was a little strange uh, because the the published uh, blog post about it I I chanced upon, but nobody was making a big deal, and I kept looking around like, why isn't this anywhere on Twitter? Why is it, why am I not seeing it? Well, well, it, that's why I put it in here because I thought that was strange. And and what what it is was they were getting ready to push the patches um, to all the sites. And so when you're getting ready to uh, remediate all you know this issue across the board, you don't you don't typically announce to the world that there's an opening until you've cleaned it all up. And so there was this period of time where I'm like, am I am I, am I reading this right? It sounds serious, but I'm not seeing the, the seriousness anywhere else. This is before I knew that that. A, a patch was being made. So I reached out to my team right away, woke everybody up and said, hey, we got to start doing something. They reached out to the uh, the WordPress Security Council and that's when we found out, oh, a patch is getting ready to be delivered, which was very good news. We also were able to get the information we needed for our WAF. So we put in the protection on the WAF right away, which basically protected all of the WooCommerce sites and then waited for the patch to get promulgated across all the sites. So there was a there was a couple of hours where where we got a little nervous, like, well, what's going on here? But by the time the you know the announcement went everywhere else and it was on Twitter and everything else, we were already clear and and moving on. So um, yeah, it's I mean every every time there's something like that, you go, okay, we gotta we gotta make sure we have everything ready to to solve this. But uh, all in all, it, it was I think it was handled well. Yeah, I thought I thought. I thought it was good news in a way. I thought it was handled pretty well, really, wouldn't it? You know, something I could be a bit more positive. Um, what do you reckon, Angie? What did you reckon? I, th- I think it was very well handled. And actually, the managed hosts, um, because I got an email from Chris's company saying, you know, we're covered with WAF and all that kind of stuff, acted really quickly and really responsibly um, by telling people that actually don't worry about it. You know, Chris's, Chris's company as well as m- many others. Um, and what's that surprised me, because I've dealt with hosting companies and they're behemoths. And there are people 
and I quite I like quite like to pick Chris's brain about that about what is the process who who is the the person that says right this is how we're going to do this and what's the trail of getting it done within 2 hours because it's effectively an emergency especially if you're a woocommerce specific managed host which you are right so what was the process like? Was it was it all hands on deck, or do you have a risk kind of um, situation that you you cover, like, like a bit of documentation that this is how we do it? Yeah. So so uh, like most organizations, and I assume like most hosting companies, we have different procedures for different severities, right? So the first the first part of the process is we figure out. Is this a SEV 1, SEV 2, SEV 3? Like, where does it fall? Because that's going to dictate, do I, do I ping the C-level executives of the company or do I not, right? Uh, do I wake up DevOps or do I not, right? Like, depending on the severity, we're going to run a different playbook. And we have a playbook for each, each cool. tier. Um, we use Slack a lot, right? And so, um, because there's always someone awake somewhere on the, in the planet, right? And so... Yeah. Um, when I caught the news, I, all I had to do was grab, um, grab a link to an article, post it in the right Slack channel, articulate my set of assumptions about what level of severity this was, place it in there, and let someone look at it. And then what they have to do is go, okay, do we agree that this is this tier of severity, right? So someone has to double check my work. I don't just get to randomly say, this sure. is that one, right? So, so someone checks it, and then we agree. And once we agree, that's the playbook you're going to open and start. Uh, we have another separate channel for that. So it opens up and goes, okay, now we're dealing with, a, let's say, a SEV2 alert. So here it is. That immediately pulls in all the right people into that channel. Now, in this particular case, because it was WordPress and WooCommerce, if it was anything else, I would drop it in and I'd move away. Like, I have nothing to do with this. Because it was WordPress and WooCommerce, I get one of my guys to loop in DevOps with Automat or with uh, WordPress Security Council because we're, we're members as many hosts are. And so we link the dots so that we can get the data back and forth very quickly. Once they get that data, they drop it back into that SEV channel and we go, okay, now what do we do now that we know this data? And a whole bunch of people, DevOps, engineering, dev, all of those people are part of the process. And then they move on an action plan at that point, an email goes out to the right tier of the organization that says, here's what's happened. Here's what we're doing. Here's when it will be done. And then here's the next step. Because then you have, as you mentioned, you got an email, right? That passes over to someone in marketing who, or in customer care, someone who has to write the release, update the status board, uh, push the email to everyone and get it out. So it's, it, I mean, it, when we say it's a team effort, it, you probably, we probably, for that one item, probably had no less than 30 people yeah. touch it, right? It's crazy, uh, yeah. But it's all, it's all a dance, right? Cool. It's all, and it's yeah, all yeah. prescriptive. It's, it's like ballet, right? You're just going to go, these are the things we have to do to get it right. There we yeah. go. So what, did you reckon, what did you reckon about this, Spencer? Well, I, what's interesting to me, I looked at the code change. There's... Such a, I mean, without geeking out here, there's such a ridiculously small change between the version that was fixed and the versions that weren't. Um, 
it's, it's sort of exemplar to me of something fascinating. I'm primarily a marketer, but because I develop, I look at these things and I go, this would be comparable to you made a video on YouTube to talk about your product and you said, and instead of if. And all of a sudden, your entire company's bank accounts were open to the world because literally the line change is about 10 characters difference between the security vulnerability and not, which is, what, by the way, also a very fun thing when you're in open source because a behemoth as large as WooCommerce and how many stores that rely on it, you get to see behind the curtain here of like, you know, how is the Wizard of Oz pulling the knobs? And so somebody figured out that there was a wild card. It looks like they're using you know, the wild card of like and then a percentage sign. And then they had to realize that, oh, I guess that allows somebody to inject something in there and ta-da. So from that standpoint, I'm fascinated that we get to see this. So Heather, I'm sure in three months' time when I'm dealing with a larger client that has a a Microsoft heavily based IT support department, I'm going to hear, well, Jonathan, WooCommerce isn't as secure as Shopify because... Um, you get the security updates and you don't get this with Shopify. And I just look at them in amazement and, you know, wonder, can I be as diplomatic as Chris Lemmer with dealing with this? Or am I they going to get my normal English grumpiness, you know? But what do you reckon, Eva? So uh, I, I had to deal with this this week, actually, where... Um we're, we're moving like a whole big site over to WordPress and uh, the the main designer was like, oh, I don't even want to log into the WordPress site because it's so insecure. And I was like, um, no, uh, and they're like, but, but I mean, I just remember it got hacked all the time the last time I was in there. I was like, when was the last time? He's like, oh, it's like on WordPress three. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you have. You have so you want you want a lever. You just want something. You just want to open the lever. The, the individual. Yeah. Just, just go, I was like, yeah. just just come back. Just try it. It's it's so much better than all of the other things. I mean, it's there's. I mean, the thing is, everything gets hacked. Everything that you use on the internet is going to have security issues. The 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 difference about WordPress is their action and all of the. Uh, the plugins, the the add-ons, the entire community for the WordPress, uh, the entire WordPress community is that uh, they're on top of it, and you'll you'll get emails constantly about okay, there's this has been found, this has been found. You've you've got an entire security research community uh, on it, um, whereas with Shopify, they're gonna like hide the fact that that something's wrong. That, yeah. that that I saw, like more often than not, how freaky scary it was when when uh, I was working with some Silicon Valley companies. Not only is the code itself filled, of, filled with holes, but like you're talking about post-it notes on the sides of monitor kind of login security that like anybody literally could get into anything. And people had a lot of personal content that was involved. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is... Is like the difference between open source. You can't hide what everybody can see. So if there's a big problem, at least, you know, it gets fixed. I think the, I think the thing that Spencer mentioned, which was that this was a tiny, tiny, tiny change from what was potentially vulnerable into what was vulnerable, is how we define vulnerability, right? We define vulnerability like, well, if the person had bought something from you and they happen to be a... Uh, 
a, a, you know, have an account level at level seven and they were in your network and they were behind your uh, CDN and they knew your mother's maiden name, then there's a chance they could upload an image if you gave them the right to do it that could drop in, you know, a SQL injection behind it. And that could potentially expose a certain amount of data to you, which if they then used to reverse engineer an email to one of your employees could potentially get, and you're like, that's what we're calling a vulnerability right now. We, we do that all the time. When you read vulnerabilities for WordPress plugins, the, the causal chain of what someone would have to do to actually break into your site is massive. You're like, who's, who's going to do that, right? And, and yet, because it's open source, because there is a half of a half of a half of 1% chance, but when you have millions and millions of sites, that is still material, um, we take care of it. There are closed source communities who just go, uh, don't even worry about it. Like, we'll just deal with it in the next release, right? Yeah. Um, we're very public about it, but we're very public because we think that's the way you do security the right way. And so um, even if it's two people on the planet that could break in, let's patch it and move forward. Yeah, it's great. Well, we, we, on, to your, um, on to one of your stories. First of all, I think you've been doing an excellent job with your emails. Um, I don't read everyone, but I normally delete um, unsubscribe that somebody that's producing almost an email a day, but I, you, I still keep yours in my inbox, and when I have a moment, I give it a quick look over. And you've been doing some fantastic um, emails, um, Chris. I give you full marks, and I really like this one because it's another hobby horse of mine. Because I'm in the membership, and I was fascinating to hear that Liquid Webber is getting into. Um, the membership pre-packaged because that's my own area where I play in, Chris. Um, but I thought you were spot on with this one because I find it really irritating myself. WordPress membership sites, the myth of passive income. What what made you write this one and uh, what was the fault behind it, Chris? So what often is the triggering event is either something I see on Twitter or something that happens in a conversation, right? So I had been on a call with someone uh, the day before and, or maybe two days before. And, and they had said, look, I'm just looking for that whole build a membership site, sit back and just cash the checks. And, and you know, when you're on, when you're on an audio call, right, your face can do anything you want because they can't see it. But when you're on a video call, you're like, okay, Stay calm. Well, so people say, Chris. People say I have I have a face for radio and a voice for print. <laughs> so right, there we go. I I think that's only Andrew who says that to you, right? Like I just want to be clear. It's not everybody. Um, but I I listened to this and I was like, okay, stay calm. But but this is ridiculous. Like there is no. I just spin up a membership site and then I sit back and I cash checks. So. <laughs> So I, I, you just want to get a gun and shoot yeah, yourself yeah. in the end, don't you? Uh, that's the Kajabi mantra. Yeah. So I, I pushed, I pushed back a little bit on the call, right? And then I just took a little note down, right? And that's, you know, often what'll happen is I have a whole bunch of these topics, and so two days later, three days later, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to write about it. Um, and and I did, right? And I, it just, you know, the whole the whole point is, uh, there is there's nothing. There's nothing passive uh, about a membership site. Yeah, but Chris, there's, and I don't want to. I don't want to get personal about because 
you know, let's face it, Pat Flynn, he's, he made a whole business out of this mantle. And he's a very, he comes, I haven't interviewed him, but he comes across as a very nice man. But every time I hear him preach this, my my literally my teeth start grinding, Chris. You know, these thinking myself, and he's not the only one. There's a whole subsector of the of that crowd that preach that, and it, and I'm, I just think it's just nonsense. There, um, well, I the, think I think anyone who starts early on something. Um, when you're at the beginning of something, which, by the way, means you have high risk of it not working. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be at the beginning of something and it does work, uh, y- there's, a, there's an opportunity for you to do a little bit of work and then watch it just kind of run away. And that's fantastic. The challenge is that that's not cause and effect. That's not I wrote six posts and then I turned it into something that was paying and then people gave me all the money. It's cause plus luck equals effect, right? And it's cause plus luck plus timing equals effect. And it's cause plus luck plus timing plus endorsement equals effect. And so then they go and write and they only write the cause. I wrote six posts and that's what made my money. And you're like, you left the whole part of the equation out. So then someone else goes and writes six posts and it doesn't make the money, right? And you go, yeah, there's more to it than this, right? My good friends, Corey Miller, Brian Gardner, uh, and... Uh, AD, Mark, and Magnus all created theme clubs, right? They all created theme clubs. They basically said, we're going to do WordPress themes. We'll release at least once a month uh, and we'll charge you, you know, however much money and you can join our theme club and you can make money. Now, they spawned the beginning of a uh, revenue play in the WordPress space. They were some of the first commercial entities to make money in the WordPress space. Um, They each did a very similar model and each had different degrees of taking off. Now imagine that they write the post that says the way to make money in the WordPress space is to create a theme club. Today, we would look at that and go, yeah, not exactly. Right? Like, I'm not going to copy. It's a teeny weeny little bit more complicated. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, right? There are people who do that every day. It's not as famous as those guys, and it's not the beginning of those guys, but they were at the right time with the right product in the right context. They delivered a great thing at a right price, and they found success. That doesn't mean that today I can copy that and get the same results. In fact, I won't, right? So um, I think it's one of those things where someone may have had a, a light, passive, not massive amount of work at the right time and make a killing, but that doesn't mean that everyone else is going to copy the formula and make the same money. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you again. You, you have to come back on the show because it's very, uh, really uh, rare that I agree with a guest all the time. Um, the only thing, the only thing that really gets rubs me up the wrong way is that I, I kind of think it discredits the whole idea of of building a membership website because it is going to be a lot of work. But I still think. For the right type of individual, it's still a really great way of possibility of making a really good income. And it's just a shame. I just think it discredits the whole thing a bit, Chris, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I think there's still a lot of room to keep making this work, right? I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, and it's going to look different for different people. If you're in the fitness space and you want to uh, rent out 
access to your videos, that's going to look different than if you're in the education space and you want to rent out access to your videos. And so, you know, even two people who are doing the same thing, I'm protecting content, the content's videos, and I want to charge monthly. Um, there, it's the tactics, the strategies, the kind of content, the amount of content are all going to be different when you're in different spots, right? Different industries, different kind of customer, different target, all that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. In none of those cases do I think it's passive. <laughs> so I don't think any membership site or any kind of, you know, elegant marketplace was technically a membership site, a theme store, you know, of, of other people's products, which was, you know, and it's still working. It's still still there and, you know, doing whatever after I sold it. But it's a, it's a tough thing. Page Builder Cloud was a very similar thing, you know, with layouts every month and going in and, you know, earned a, earned a very nice, almost passive income. But you're always going to get support calls. You're always going to get refunds. You're, you know, it's a lot of work to run a membership site. And it's a lot of work to, even if you, you've got... A successful one. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're, you're even a, even an, a, a not so successful one. You know, I've got a guy who's running a site and he's, he's making 10 grand a month. Is that successful? Not really in the scheme of things, but it's... Well, I, it, I think it's, he's better than a poke in the eye. Well, I know, too, yeah, right, but it's, it's costing him, you know, don't forget... He might not get you a seat in the Bay or Phallix, but uh, it's better than a poke in the eye, but still, No, but there's costs, you know, that's, okay, turning over 10 grand a month, right? So there's costs, there's video editing, there's, there's your standard cost for software. You've got to be, you know, have Vimeo Pro or whatever it is. You have standard costs, but... That what people forget when they're running a membership site, you know, with Elegant Marketplace, and this isn't a sob story, it was 16 hours a day. You know, we were, we were, I was sitting in my desk for 16 hours a day for three well, you, years. Well, you needed, Andrew. Was I doing was, it wrong? You needed, I don't know whether I was doing it You wrong. needed minions, Andrew. Like, you needed to call Spencer because Spencer's not going to do 16 hours a day no. to make that kind of money. Spencer's going to no, be like, no, no, no. I can make that money. Chris, he's looking, you he's looking mean, at you right now and he's like, I can make. So you got that right. I can make you know, Palmer money in two hours a day. What the hell are you doing over there, Andrew? You know him so well. He wouldn't get out of bed for that kind of money. Uh, right. Listen, Chris, is, Chris has got one key point. I, I agree with absolutely everything in his article, but he's left one thing out, which he's now brought to the fold. The world we live in today offers the opportunity. There are certain businesses, uh, my, my recommendation is related to this. There are certain businesses that actually have the membership model, whether it be monthly or yearly, and I want to comment on that, but that the deliverables are not the treadmill to which Chris is referring, which are traditional content-based. Instead, they are passive service that can be automated by other people. So for example, the original one of this was built with which is, I believe, a Norwegian or Scandinavian guy or Australian guy. One dude, one server. He has one helper. I, he essentially scrapes the web for data about companies' uh, stack and sells it as a competitive information base. I think they bring in 5 to $10 million a year with one dude, one server, and one helper. There was a guy that was called uh, Plenty of Fish, Marcus Friend, in Canada years ago before they got bought out by Match.com, who had been famous for running multi-million person dating site from his apartment on one server, and it was all geeked out. Here's the problem with content. If your content is teaching people how to make money in WordPress, you're going to fail. Why? Because nine out of 10 people don't know how to market themselves or talk to people. So what they're learning is destined to failure. If it's content for information, you're going to fail. 
Why? Because WordPress is moving at the speed of light and changing every day, and all your content is going out of date before it's even basically been read by anybody. And finally, the people that are there paying have a three-month window before they grow bored of your stuff. But if you offer a service, something that's like intangible, not like themes and other things, then you stand a really, really good chance because then you could automate the process, go on a vacation, and people can run it for you. But otherwise, I, I do agree, we're also in a membership economy based upon annual or group membership, not on like, let me remind myself that I pay you every month. And uh, that's why LTDs have become, yeah, to most, Andrew's credit. Like, like most of the time, Spencer, I agree with about 90%, but as always, there's always a 10%. I don't well, know. you know, we're going to have some yeah, time. Mr. Liam has got to jump, so let's say Oh, goodbye. he's got to go. You've got to leave us. So do you want to do your before... Bye. All right. Do you want to do a recommendation? Have you got a recommendation to share with us, or do you? Or uh, yes, I do. Uh, it is called. Hold on, I'll tell you because uh, I, like I said, I just found it last night, and I think it's amazing. Uh, Black Magic underscore so uh, on Twitter at Black Magic underscore. Well, if you S- can find find that for a Spencer and put it in Slack, I'll make the, sure the, it's the URL. The URL is blackmagic.so uh, mm-hmm. on the domain. Super cool. Check it out. I think you're gonna love it if you use Twitter. And uh, thanks for the great conversation. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sorry it's so long winded, Chris, yep. but I do Take understand. Care. Right, bye. So Heather, what did you? Um, he had enough of us listeners and viewers, or he had enough of me. Put it that way. Oh. Uh, um, so um, <laughs> that put me in my place, didn't it? Listeners and viewers, Heather, uh, um, what did you think of this great article from Chris, the former Chris Lemmer of this show? <laughs> well, I mean, again, membership sites in general. I mean, not just in the WordPress community. People like people are lured to them with the idea that. Um, you're going to make passive income and uh, it's not going to take much work. And then um, whether you're running them yourself or whether you're a content provider, um, in the majority of people make no money at all. And, and it t- takes them a lot of time to, to run them. And um, I mean, we need to, we need to get out there. Uh, we need to break the myth of passive income for most people. Uh, I mean, I think the average that people make uh, is something like $12 a month. And that's like with the people that are making the top 10% of this subsidizing that $12 a month. Most people are, it's costing them hundreds of dollars a month just to do this. Yeah, it's kind of, based on my experience, have a passive and incoming business. Don't normally work together, do they? They're two totally unrelated yeah. concepts, passiveness and income. You know, you normally got to do something um, to make and, income, haven't you? And there are exceptions. I mean, like my my husband who's been on this show, like is is one of the the like leading people who makes uh, like who's very successful at uh, online courses. But then again, he puts a lot of work in making those online well, courses. You should, you should approach a leading WordPress uh, membership hosting company. I, I, I know about Heather, but there we go. Well, but the thing is, like he does this because one, he was he he was misled about how much you make from them so like initially he thought that it was a lucrative thing so he put a lot of work into it and because he put a lot of work into it he ended up making a lot of money 
And he partnered up with a company that does all the marketing, that does all this stuff. Because if he was trying to do it on his own, on his own WordPress site, on, then he'd have to do all the marketing himself. Mm. He'd, he'd have to... So with this, like, I mean, he, he just luck, kind of lucked into it. I mean, he's, his content is very good. He's a very smart person. But um, all of the... I mean, for most people out there, it's never going to happen. And that's where all these membership sites are. Uh, the only person making money... Uh, is the person that runs the site. Okay. Yes, all right, fair enough. Um, what do you reckon, Angie? Well, I, I kind of said it. I mean, you know, there yeah. is no such thing as a passive income. You know, I know it. I've been there, done it. Yeah, I'm doing true. it now. You know, you even I'm developing another situation um, for launch <laughs> soon, which is going to be, shush, Spencer, that's going to be, a um, you know, a membership site. Effectively, we wow. know it's going to be hard work. We know there's going to be a lot of support. We've geared up for that and, you know, it'll be hard work. There's no doubt about it. And eventually building a team around it again, um, like I did with, like I did and do with all my businesses, I build a team around so that I'm actually the passive guy and I can go and off and swing a golf club. And that's yes, the, that golf the it's, like, it's like saying you're going to get into a passive relationship. A passive marriage relationship with the team. <laughs> I'm just gonna get married. Everything else is gonna I'm be. I'm sure my. I'm sure my. Don't even mention marriage to me. Right. I'm sure my, I never I'm sure have my, to do anything for this relationship ever again. I'm sure my <laughs> first wife will say it was pretty passive. Right. Uh, um, so, uh, um, Spencer, if you got a recommendation yes. of the week, uh, okay. So our good friend Saeed has come up with a spinoff of the uh, built with called Is It WP which I would say is very intriguing to me again because I'm in a similar interest space of understanding what people are tending to use. I think it's early days for this because it doesn't really give you a lot of stuff that it should. You can actually, by the way, also go for free to builtwith.com and see almost the same or more data. But what I do like about this is that it opens up the, the hood on the WordPress car of a lot of people to find out what they're actually using. Um, and in doing that, I think it reveals what is the philosophy I see going for WordPress. Less and less number of outrageous random plugins, more people using the same stack of stuff, which is my personal dream and focus. Do yeah. make sure, and if you can paste Chris Lemmers into Slack as well. Yeah, I already did, yeah. Oh, great. Because, uh, Andrew, what do you want to recommend? You're muted. You're muted. I know, I was doing something else. Um, we were lucky enough to interview a chap on the WP Tonic interview podcast the other day, and I and I meant to recommend this ages ago. Uh, so I'm going to recommend it. It's, it's watchful.net. Yeah. So if you've got an issue where you need to uh, look after websites very competitively, it's watchful.net. Yeah, I'm going to really uh, did a, it was a great interview. Thank you for your help with that. And... Andrew, it was a great product, not on my radar, but I'm going to be deal. And he's got a new product coming, which um, we'll be probably publicising a little bit for him, which also sounds fantastic, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it's awesome, yeah. Right. So, Heather, have you got something you want to recommend? I do. So, um, as you all know, I'm a CTO, and I really care about data and, and making sure those things are cool. And there's a, uh, a new up-and-coming team out of France that is uh, working on... Uh, a no-code data analytics platform that can plug into all sorts of things, including WordPress. It's called Guiana. Um, and 
so you should check it out. It's uh, really easy to use uh, and it connects with, uh, I mean, again, you can run your, your backend WordPress analytics and make all sorts of fancy dashboards and uh, you can white label it for your clients as well. How does this compare to Databox? Because I actually yes. have a client right now who's suffering with a little Databox stuff. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I've got a client and, yeah, we were looking at Databox as well. It's funny, isn't so it? compare the two of them. Um, I like this one. Um, we've been playing around with it in my team. And, uh, I mean, I, I actually popped up some dashboards real time in a meeting this week. And, like, they were going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> so. Tiny. Nice. Uh, <laughs> right, we got to wrap this up uh, because um, it's it's gone on a bit, and Chris got bored of shit and decided to leave. So uh, we can't. He blame had him. another call. Yeah, I'm only, te- I'm only teasing. Uh, nobody's got a sense of humour in WordPress these days. You got to be. T- you got to have a thick skin. Uh, um, he can look after himself, mate. You know, he could. He knows how to deal with shithead like me. Uh, um, so, listeners and viewers, we'll be back next week with another great round table panel and some great stories where we we will be generally taking the piss out of WordPress and tech in general. We'll see. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 